Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Brian Dwyer, joined in the studio by John Bellis. John, today we're starting a brand new five-week series on the Old Testament book of Jonah. Now, a lot of people, when they think about Jonah, the story of Jonah, they probably have this idea in the back of their mind about this guy who was swallowed by a fish, right? A lot of people think it was a whale. The Bible doesn't say it was a whale. He's swallowed by a fish, and that's all they know about the story of Jonah. And we're going to get into what it's really about. But before we even jump into all those details, I guess my question for you, John, as people are listening, is why should people keep listening? Why should they come back each of these next five weeks on a Friday for the Pursue God podcast to listen to the story of Jonah? Who is this story for? What kind of person could benefit from this story? Yeah, the beautiful thing about the book of Jonah is it it really is for everyone. It's for anyone who maybe has run from God. It's for anyone who has had a mistake in their life. It's for someone who is still seeking God, who's still trying to figure out who is God, because we learn a lot about the nature of God and his character in the book of Jonah. So I think it's for both believers, for people listening today who already have a relationship with Jesus. I think we're going to learn a ton in the book of Jonah, but also for someone who would consider themselves a, a seeker, maybe, or even, even someone who's almost borderline apathetic, like mm-hmm. still just kind of trying out this, this Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Who is this God? Well, I think we're going to learn a lot about God and his character in the book of Jonah. Yeah, really, just like just like the whole Bible and really any story, any character in the Bible, the the story isn't just about the character. The story, the whole Bible, is about God and God's character and what he's all about. And we really see that on display when we're going to see God interacting with Jonah, this prophet. We see God interacting with some sailors in chapter 1. We'll talk about that today. We see God interacting with the people of Nineveh, the, the city of Nineveh, which was an Assyrian city, which was not an, a city of Israel. So these weren't the people of God. So like a pagan nation, essentially. We see how God's, what God's attitude is toward, toward non-believers, toward people who aren't even interested in him. We're going to see that in week three. And then we're going we're gonna to see, again, Jonah. We're going to see really how God is trying to teach Jonah a lesson throughout this short book of the Bible. Okay, so... So stay tuned, because I think for everybody, there's something to learn for everybody, not just about how you relate to God, and maybe if you've ever held him at arm's length, or if you've ever run from him, but also it's just anyone who wants to know what God's heart really is toward people, toward all people, really, because God, spoiler alert, God is for people. God is not against people. God is merciful and kind and generous and loving. Yes, he's powerful, and he's scary, and he can do whatever he wants to do. We're going to see that in this story, but but it's important to understand that that his heart is for people. He cares about people. And not only that, it's just a great literary work. Honestly, the book of Jonah, I mean, it's, it's a, a prophetic book, and yet it reads like a narrative. There's this amazing foreshadowing in it. You know, Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah when he comes on the earth, and so there's just a lot of richness to the book that I think if you only think of it as a fish story, you miss out on. Yeah, and it really is, like you said, it's a prophetic book, which means that it falls in the prophet section of the Old Testament. The Old Testament's organized into, into you know, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and then some historical books, and you've got some poetry, like Ecclesiastes and Psalms and Proverbs. But the last section of 
books. If you think about it like a section, you know, category of writing, like you might find in the library, fiction and nonfiction. The last section of the Old Testament is the section that includes books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Malachi. And Jonah is one of the prophetic books. A lot of people might not understand that because it really is. It's a story. It reads more like a story. But let's not forget that Jonah was a prophet. And so even though it is a narrative, it makes it very unique among the prophetic books. It's easy to cover. It's only four chapters long. And in fact, what we're going to do, John, in this podcast is every week for the next four weeks, we're going to start by just reading the chapter that we're going to be studying and diving into for the day. So let's start with that before we jump into the lessons we can learn from the Ch- Jonah chapter 1. John, let's read Jonah chapter 1. It's only 17 verses, so let's jump into it. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Okay, now there's a lot there. And we we see that it starts, that chapter one starts by introducing Jonah and who his dad was, which is helpful for us because Jonah is referred to in another place in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that backstory in a second. But then chapter one ends with Jonah thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. Okay. Let's start, John, with 
sort of the backstory because there's a lot of really interesting elements in this story that that are relatable and we of course want to do that anytime you read scripture it's important first of all to understand what's being said what was said to the people in the time that's how you do good bible study but then it's also really helpful to go back and apply it to our lives so we're going to do both of those things today and every week so let's let's cover the backstory jonah was a prophet of god he's called the son of amittai and we read about him in 2 Kings 14. So that's another a book in the Old Testament. This, is, this would fall in the history category in 2 Kings 14. It talks about how Israel, Israel the, the people of God in Israel, the nation of Israel, after, um, after the kingdom of Israel, Israel under David and Solomon was split into two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel was in a real bad way. Israel was an ungodly nation. Things were terrible. And here we, here we have Jonah in the time of the king Jer- Jeroboam II. God calls Jonah, essentially, God calls Jonah to bring this good message to the people of Israel. John, what was the good message that Jonah got to bring in 2 Kings 14? Well, God had promised that the nation of Israel wasn't going to be blotted out and that they were going to actually recapture some of the territories that they had lost. And so Jeroboam recovered those territories, or I should say Jeroboam II. And and God said, I saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. And so Jonah gets to spread this great news. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want that calling to be able to go and give that news and it's interesting that the Jeroboam the second, he's the thirteenth king for the northern kingdom of Israel after the split, and there's not a single king who did right what was who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord after the split for the northern kingdom. So thirteen generations of leadership that are leading the people away from God, and yet God still was merciful. Yeah, again, so look right away if you if you understand the backstory. You you can and this is an important backstory I think to help us to understand the context of this new message that God wants to, Jonah to speak, and again it we don't find this in the book of Jonah we find this in Second Kings fourteen but it's the same guy, and it's important to understand because it tells us about the heart of God. Remember, so Israel was suffering because of their disobedience. Everyone remember that we're going to come back to this theme. The truth is that when we sin. When we, when we go against God, bad things happen. I mean, that's just that's kind of a, the, the facts of life, is when we do bad things, bad things happen to us. We bring it upon ourselves. We reap what we sow. All of this stuff is just, it's just true. It's anyone who is honest about their life recognizes that that's true, and we see it in the New Testament of the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the story of Israel, and we're going to see it in the story of Jonah. When you do bad stuff, usually... Bad stuff, you bring bad stuff upon yourself. But that's not the end of the story because here's the first time we're going to learn this because God is a gracious God. And so, again, Jonah, his, the first message we hear about that Jonah gets to bring to the people of Israel is a good thing. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we get to, we hear what God, we hear God's message to us and we say, I like that. That's, that's good. And Jonah, Jonah gets to be the good guy in 2 Kings 14. He was probably one of the most popular guys in Israel 
when he gave that message, right? I mean, he's the guy that they were buying him drinks and inviting <laughs> him right. to all the parties and right. giving him tickets to the game. You know, he, he was the man because he brought this amazing news to the people of the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, so that's, again, that's the backstory. Now, before we, before we kind of connect the dots here as we go into the story of Jonah, how does this relate, John, to people listening today? You know, I guess maybe you could say this first point is that sometimes God speaks and we like what we hear. He, we love his message. What are some of the things maybe for Christians or for seekers today, some of the things that maybe they've heard that God has spoken that's kind of the bright side of things, the good side of God's messaging? Sure. Well, I think of John 3.16, the most famous verse probably in all the Bible, right? For God so loved the world. So we love that news. We love the fact that God loves us, as we should, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that's great news, that we can have forgiveness of our sins, that when God calls us into relationship with Him, our sins can be forgiven, past, present, and future. That's great news, rather. Right? We call it the good news. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the fact that we can be free from addiction, we can be free from bondage, those are all fantastic callings. So anyone here who is listening today that, that maybe would describe themselves as a seeker, those are probably some of the things you have heard about God and his character and about Christianity that seem very attractive to you. I think of John 10, 10, where Jesus said that he came to, to give us life and life to the full. That sounds like great news. Or when he says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy, those all sound like calls that, that I would get excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's good to, again, to think about this in the context. We want to we want to be, we want to be truthful with people listening to the podcast today that there is a side of God and a relationship with God that is gun, gumdrops and lollipops. There is a side that is good. It really is. It's good news. The, the overarching theme we want people to understand, even from this series, the book of Jonah, is that God is good, that God is gracious. Again, spoiler alert, he's gracious to the people of Israel. We're going to see here in a minute that he wants to be gracious to the people of Assyria, the bad guys. Right. And we're going to see through it all how gracious he is to Jonah all along the way. We're going to see this all throughout this short little book of the Bible. So, so there's the one side of things, is, is sometimes God's message is good. Sometimes, sometimes we like what we hear from God. Sometimes we're sitting there reading our Bible and we love, we love what we're reading. We're like, this is the good stuff. This is the stuff that makes the plaque on, our, on the wall in the kitchen, right? Yeah, his mercies are new every morning. That's right. We, we hang that on the wall. That's right. But sometimes, and this is now we're going to get into Jonah, sometimes we want to run from God and his message. Sometimes we're reading the Bible or, or, or maybe we're, you know, we're listening to a sermon at church and there's, there's a hard truth that comes out at us. And sometimes we're, we're weighing it and we're like, that's not the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God I want to run from. And the truth is, we can always find a boat going in the wrong direction, right? And this is what we see in the story of Jonah, is Jonah gets this message, the Lord gives this message. I mean, the author here doesn't, doesn't uh, waste any time. He, right away, it says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the same guy that got to bring the good news in 2 Kings 14. He says, now I want you to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, of Assyria, and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked the people are. And for some reason, for some reason, Jonah immediately has an adverse reaction to this. He says, uh-uh, uh, that, I don't like that calling. I don't, I don't like that assignment. And now he goes and finds a boat 
and goes the other direction, goes away from Nineveh. And it doesn't seem like he wasted any time. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, verses 1 through 2, it says, uh, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. So there's the call. Then the very next verse says, But Jonah got up. So, like, he immediately did the opposite of what God called him to do. He didn't wrestle with this in prayer for, you know, weeks on end. It was like, nope, this was the calling, but I'm going the other direction. Yeah. Okay, now hold on a second. Let's, Let's back up here, John, and... And, and just let's think about its face value, what the message was. Because it's confusing, I think, at first when you read this. You're like, why wouldn't Jonah want to go speak judgment on a wicked nation, right? I mean, everybody, everybody think for a second about someone that you really, really dislike. And you've always wanted to tell him off. Right? You've always wanted to just, just stick it to him. What if God came to you and said, okay, I'll let you do that. You get to be the guy to really tell him off. Like That seems like a good thing. It seems like we'd all jump at that. Right? Yeah, I think when we first read this, especially if we're just looking at chapter 1, we might be inclined to think that Jonah didn't want to go because he was fearful, because he had to go to this enemy nation. I mean, they were known for their brutality, the Assyrians, so he may have feared for his life, or he, at best he probably thought they would mock him, that they would tease him. But actually, Jonah gives us an answer later in the book as to why he ran, and we see that in Jonah chapter 4. Yeah, it says this in verse 2, Jonah 4, 2. And again, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, and we'll come back to this in a few weeks when we cover chapter 4, but it's important for context for today. Jonah says to God, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? And, and again, spoiler alert, God's going to end up forgiving Nineveh. He's going to end up being gracious toward Nineveh just like he was gracious toward Israel in 2 Kings 14. And so Jonah said, that is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. That's why I ran. And we read that and we go, what? Like Jonah is mad because God is slow to anger (laughs) because he relented. But yet, again, he knew that if Assyria thrived, Israel would suffer. You know, that's, that's the battle going on in Jonah's heart and Jonah's mind. This is an enemy nation. They don't like us. And if God relents and they prosper, it, it's probably going to affect the nation of Israel. In fact, Jonah was right. Eventually, that is what happened. Yeah, it really was a sort of a zero-sum game, right? It's, they couldn't, both Assyria and Israel couldn't thrive at the same time. And who knows, maybe Jonah thought back to the grace that God showed Israel, but he knew that at the end of the day, their sins would come back and bite him, and, and they did. Okay, so again, spoiler alert, if you know history at all, the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, you know, Israel split into two nations, Israel in the north, and then Judah, who's called Judah in the south, the nation of Israel ended up being destroyed by Assyria generations after Jonah the book of Jonah and this message of Jonah to the people of Assyria. But Jonah, I mean, just plain and simple, I, don't, I, I guess we could explain it like this, John. Jonah loved God's mercy when it was extended to him, but he hated God's mercy when it was extended to his enemies. Yeah, it, it wasn't just that God was merciful to Israel in Jonah's past. God had just been merciful to Jonah in the storm. He just extended mercy and forgiveness 
to his prophet who had disobeyed him, who had run from him, who had tried to flee from him. So as you said, Jonah loves it when God is merciful towards him. And man, I would love to be critical of Jonah, but I have seen that in my life so often. You know, if I'm in the wrong, I want God's mercy. Mm. But if someone else has wronged me, I want God's justice. Mm. So how do, we, how do we maintain that, that desire for God to be merciful on those who have wounded us versus just wanting him to be merciful for us? Yeah, so uh, maybe people are listening right now thinking about this is a good time for you to be introspective and think, when, when have you run from God? Uh, again, maybe, maybe it's because he calls you to something that you don't like. Maybe it was you're reading the Bible, you, you've started to read the Bible, you want to pursue God, you start to read the Bible, but there's, there's something in there, or there's something in the sermon on Sunday that you hear and you just have a hard time accepting. You know, we all want, we kind of all want God our way, we want our faith our way. You know, it's kind of like the old Burger King commercials have it your way. If you don't want onion, you don't need onion. You can kind of pick and choose what you want. And let's be honest, we all do this a little bit. We pick and choose what we want to hear. We accept, we put in our basket, we put in our cart the stuff we love, like at a grocery store. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass over that aisle, the, the judgment aisle. I'm going to pass over that God is, is a judging God or that God is a righteous God and his wrath is deserved by me, but but kind of in, along with that is I, I'm going to pass over a God who's going to be gracious to someone else who deserves his wrath, right? That that we can really be selfish when, when we apply this to our own lives. And I think that brings us to just a foundational point that when we come to God, we come to God on his terms. We don't get to come to God on our terms. So yes, God is loving, and yes, God is merciful, but God is also righteous. God is also just. And, and our idea of righteousness and justice and mercy and grace, even what we think of those things, it, it's tainted by our sin. So God is the only one who is truly righteous. He's the only one who is truly just, truly merciful. We, we get a glimpse of it because we're created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So I think we have an understanding of kind of the general principle of those characteristics, but I don't think we actually have them uh, dead on because we're tainted by sin. Right. That's right. Okay. So back to the story. So, so Jonah, we get now why Jonah, you know, Jonah had a, had a good calling in second Kings. Then he has this terrible calling to open the book of Jonah. And so he runs from God. He he's upset with God. He doesn't like that. God is gracious to anyone, but him and the Israelites. And, and we learn something then about the disobedience of Jonah, because as we continue in, in chapter one, as we read this earlier, John, we see that Jonah ends up on this boat and his disobedience, and this is true in life, his disobedience doesn't just affect him, his disobedience actually affects everyone on the boat, because all of a sudden now they're caught in a storm and the sailors are trying to figure out why is there that what is going on? What, why did the weather just turn? Why are we in the storm? And as they look into it, they realize it's Jonah's fault. Yeah, and I'm sure right now some of you are 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 feeling the sting of that. Whether you're a believer or whether you're a seeker, we have all done things that impacted those around us. Our disobedience has has affected people that we care about in, in great ways. You know, I think of someone who maybe has struggled with addiction and just the emotional and financial 
uh, burden that is put on people around them, and they're trying to be set free from that. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that God, and we'll see in the story, can still redeem that, but it doesn't mean the consequences go away. Like, our disobedience has a ripple effect to those around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the lies of the devil, that that there are sins that, that only hurt you. This isn't really hurting anyone. You know, I think of pornography and yeah. and how that's just just crushing marriages around this country, but the devil's lie is it's, it's really just a you sin. You know, it's really not hurting anyone else. You're really not involving anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I think about some friends in, in my life that I know have experienced divorce and how divorce, you know, poor choices. And I, I understand that sometimes there are cases where people are just a victim of divorce and there's abuse and things like that. But a lot of times... Divorce comes about because of poor choices, because a husband and a wife aren't willing to work through, stay true to their vows. And we all know how devastating divorce is on kids. You know, generations of divorce and how that, again, it's the sailors in the boat, right? They're not, they weren't, the sailors weren't culpable at all. The sailors were just on the boat. They were, they were, you know, they were the unlucky ones to have Jonah jump in. Well, they actually they weren't unlucky. We're going to see here in a little bit. But but it, at first in the storm, their their lives were being threatened and they it was it had nothing to do with their choices and their decisions. And that's true. Some people in our world think about who's in your boat, whether it is because of your marriage or because of your parenting. Maybe you're a dad out there. Maybe it is at in the workplace. Maybe it is in your friend group for young people listening to this, that your poor choices, you can actually kind of, you can pull the whole, the whole, the whole team down. Everyone who's around you can actually be, what would you call that? Collateral damage, I guess, because of your poor choice. Yeah, exactly. You, you mentioned the fact that God is going to redeem it. We're going to see at the end how God uses this for the good, even of the sailors. But Again, I would say that doesn't eliminate the consequences. There was, there was material loss. We read in the story they started throwing all the cargo overboard to try and lighten the ship. Well, that that was somebody's livelihood. <laughs> you know, that 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 had a, mm-hmm. a financial impact. And then, of course, they were scared to death, so they had anxiety and they had fear and they had confusion. So there are these emotional consequences to those around us when we're disobedient as mm-hmm. well. But that leads us in the story to this final point that that even when we run even when we're disobedient even when people on the boat right have end up having to suffer the adverse effects of our disobedience of our running from God of our poor choices even in the midst of all of this and this is a theme we see throughout the Bible God can still accomplish his purposes God is still sovereign no matter what in spite of our evil in spite of our sin God is still going to be sovereign. God is still going to have his way at the end of the day. God is still going to accomplish his purposes. And his purposes, by the way, are good. He's going to bring good out of the bad. Yeah, so if we go back to the actual story, you know, all this is happening on on the sea, and and the boat is about to go down, and the guys are freaking out. And where is Jonah in all this? He's down beneath, and he's asleep. So we talked about the foreshadowing, but does that remind you of another story in the New Testament where there's a storm and guys are freaking out and, and Jesus is asleep in the boat? So the, there is just a lot of this amazing foreshadowing in the book of Jonah that's so cool. And so Jonah comes up and, you know, he t- he takes the blame. He, he says, yeah, it's me. 
<clears throat> I'm a prophet, and I was running from from God, from the Lord who of heaven and earth, who created the sea and the land. And and he says, "Throw me overboard." So so Jonah takes responsibility, and Jonah says, "Throw me into the fury of the sea, and and if you do that, you'll be saved." And again, not to give away too much, but to me, that's another that's foreshadowing again. It gives us a picture of Jesus throwing himself into the fury of God and His wrath, so that you and I can be saved so that we can have peace with God. And uh, so they throw Jonah overboard, and it says instantly the sea ceased raging. Yeah, and that's not the end of the story either. This is the cool part is what happens then. We go back to the boat, and we see that the sailors on the boat end up worshiping the God of Jonah. So they were initially, they're pagan sailors. They're not followers of, of the God of Israel. Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew. So he's basically saying, I follow the Hebrew God. The sailors would have would have followed, they were probably Phoenician sailors. They would have followed, you know, multiple gods. So they believed that there were God. This is the whole reason that they thought the, the storm kicked up in the first place is somebody had angered the God of the sea, right? Uh, lowercase g, God of the sea. There's not just one God for the Phoenicians. There's all kinds of gods. And so we got we to figure out which God got angered, and, and we need to appease that God. That's kind of how they, they thought in that, in that day. But of course, Jonah knew the real God, the one real God. And, and Jonah confessed and said, look, it's the, it's the one real God. It's my God. It's the God of Israel. He's, he's the reason for this. And sure enough, they... He, Jonah convinces the sailors. They tried all kinds of things to spare his life, but finally he convinced them, just throw me overboard, you'll see. They do it. The sea gets calm. So we see God's sovereignty over the sea, right? And now, now they said, wow, okay, Jonah's God is the real God. Yeah, and, and let's not confuse this with, and then it talks about how they offered sacrifices and made vows. How many times do we make a vow to God before he's delivered us? You know, we're in something that's just brutal, and we're like, God, if you will just get me through this, then I will, and we make these vows. I think what's really cool about the sailors is they weren't still in the midst of the storm. God had already delivered them, mm -hmm. so they weren't trying to bargain with God, mm -hmm. but instead they had seen God work. They had seen God's power, and because of that, they wanted to serve him. They, they made vows to him. They, they offered sacrifices to him. Yeah, so we see that in in spite of Job's disobedience, in spite of his running, in spite of his sin, in spite of his kind of his heart that, again, for all of us, we could admit we're like this too. His heart that was selfish. He he didn't he didn't like what God was asking him to do. In spite of all that stuff, we see that God uses his actions. He uses his actions to the benefit of the sailor of the sailors, and we're going to see it'll also be for his own benefit as well. And it reminds me, John, of this famous verse, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, at least among Christians, probably among non-Christians, the most famous verse is John 3:16. But among Christians, I bet you it's this one, Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And that is an amazing verse for believers, but I would just say there are some qualifications to that verse. It doesn't say that God works all things together for the good of everyone. It says God works all, thing together, all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So uh, we knew that God would work this together for the good of Jonah. Like that's kind of a, we, we know that going into it ahead of time because Jonah had been called by God. 
but we see here in God's graciousness to to unbelievers, to these pagan sailors who are worshiping other gods, he worked it together for their good as well. He used it to draw them to himself. And so I would just say to the person out there who is struggling in the middle of something, but they've never really put their faith in Jesus Christ, they've never begun that relationship with God, for Romans 8.28 to apply to you, that's a step that you need to take. Yeah, maybe maybe it's good then to close this this episode with looking at three different categories of people in the story in chapter one and seeing if you could relate to these three people. John, walk us through those three groups and and let's encourage people to identify with one of the three so that they could apply this to their own life. Yeah, so this really jumped out at me as I've just kind of been contemplating this chapter and preparing to, to, to preach on it is first you have runners. And so some of you listening to the podcast today, you can relate with Jonah running from God, and maybe you're running from God right now. Maybe he's called you to do something or give up something that just seems difficult and you're trying to run. And one of the things I would remind you of that Jonah should have known all along as a prophet of God is you you can't run from God's presence. No matter where you go, God is there. Uh, But that when we turn to him, when we recognize kind of the folly in that, that God comes to us with open arms. God invites us back into relationship with him. I love that about God's mercy and his forgiveness. Second would be what I would call the sleepers. So this would be for believers. See, on on the boat, there's this tragic event where all of these sailors are lifting prayers to to gods who aren't gods at all, to these idols, to these, you know, man-made illusions of power. There's only one guy on the boat who knows the real God, who could actually have an impact on the situation. And what's he doing? He's sleeping. I I pray that that's not a description of us as as God's church, that we're not asleep at the wheel, that that there are people around us who need us to step up and intercede on their behalf to the God of heaven and the God of earth. And And I just pray they wouldn't be sleeping. So, you know, parents, your kids need you to speak truth and encouragement into their life. Uh, you probably have someone you know that's struggling. We, we, we need to be awake. We need to be vigilant. And then the last group of people I see in this story are the sailors, people that don't have a relationship with God, people whose world is turning upside down, people who are caught in the middle of a storm, and you've tried everything you know to do from a human standpoint. You've tried throwing the cargo overboard. You've, you've tried lifting up you know, requests for help, but you've never sought the living God. You've never sought the God of heaven and and the God of earth. And he's really the only one who can deliver you from the storm, not only the storm that you're in, but but the storm of sin and death. Yeah, in fact, I want to just encourage you that the whole reason PursueGod.org exists is for runners and sleepers and sailors. It's It's for all kinds of people. So for people who are running from God, we, we want to encourage you to run to God, to pursue the God of the Bible. For those of you who are Christians who, who, who haven't been awakened yet to God's purpose for your life, because really that's one of our, the heart that we have for Christians, John, is that Christians would understand that the calling to make disciples is on all of us. The, the calling, like it says in Romans 8, 28, the, God works all things together for the, for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Part of his purpose for us is that we, like Jonah, 
share the gospel, share about the mercy and the grace of God. That does include, by the way, sharing about the bad news, the judgment of God, right? right. Just like Jonah. But I, I think many Christians could see themselves as someone, we're just, we're, we're, we've run from God and his purpose for our life, which is scary, and then we're, we're, we're asleep at the wheel. We're not, we're not even clued in to the world around, the sailors around us, the people around us who don't even know the God that we serve. So for many of you, my prayer is that this, that this lesson awakens you to the calling on your life, just like Jonah's being awakened to the calling on his life to go make disciples. Again, more resources about how to do that at PursueGod.org. Check that out. But, but then again, our resources are really for the, the non-believers. It's for the people like the sailors in the story, because the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Now, we're all lost, every one of us. Israel is lost. Assyria is lost. People who are in the church were broken and imperfect people. People outside of the church are broken and imperfect people. The difference is people inside the church have discovered the freedom and the joy that we can have through Jesus Christ. That Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. And again, that Jonah didn't share that. We don't see that in the story for the sailors because that part of the good news wasn't re- isn't revealed yet until the New Testament when Jesus comes on the scene. We're going to talk more about this in week five of this series where Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, and we're, we'll make sure to share the gospel message. So for those of you out there who feel like I, I, I relate more to the sailors in the story, I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm in God's story. But maybe today you're listening to this and you're realizing somebody came into your life like a Jonah and now suddenly you are in God's story. Or, or there's some stuff going on in the world. You're in a storm right now, and you realize, I, maybe, maybe I need God in my story. I need his rescue. I need his help. Then you're that third category of person, that sailor. And I want you to know that, that God is for you. He's not against you. That's really the theme that we're going to learn throughout this series. It's, remember, the story of Jonah isn't just about Jonah. It's more than anything, it's about the God of Jonah and his mercy and his love and his care for all kinds of imperfect people. And it's a good thing, John, because we're all imperfect, every one of us. Amen to that. So I encourage you to use these resources with a friend, with a small group, with, with your family. Make a commitment to go through this entire Jonah series. Go on the journey with us as we study this powerful little book from the Old Testament about a guy who ran from God, and yet God still used him and taught him about God's own nature. Join us for the whole thing and find resources on all of it, including discussion questions to talk about it with your family, small group, or within a one-on-one mentoring relationship. Find it all at PursueGod.org forward slash Jonah. And make sure to join us next Friday as we cover chapter two.